Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Here we go. Great to be with you on KSL today. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover on the fastest 60 minutes of radio as we attempt to slow things down just a little bit, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, and help the news make sense in your world today. Uh, a lot continues to go on as we follow it wall to wall here at KSL News Radio. Uh, coronavirus uh, continues to dominate the news and the cycle. And uh, we're continuing to, to see how that all plays out. I will just remind everyone uh, that every day uh, from 1230 to 1, uh, Utah Coronavirus Call-In uh, Show with Jeff Kaplan, uh, featuring all kinds of special guests, members of the Governor's uh, Coronavirus Task Force, uh, will take your questions. And uh, this is an exclusive partnership between KSL and the state of Utah. A great chance for you to get some great insight in terms of where we are what we are doing, what we should be doing, and what we need to do next. So, again, 1230 to 1 today, Jeff Kaplan, Utah Coronavirus Call-In. Today he will uh, be joined by uh, Dr. Michael Good. He's the CEO at University of Utah Health. And Heather Barnum, uh, communication part of the communication team for the Utah Coronavirus Task Force. So that's all coming up at 1230 today uh, here on KSL News Radio. I also want to point out, if you just happen to miss Dave and Dejanovic, you miss a great show today, wall-to-wall, uh, great guests, great interviews, great insight today, uh, particularly if you missed the conversation with Mark Cuban. I'm going to come back to that in just a second, but you want to make sure you uh, listen to that. Get the podcast. Uh, also, one more reason for you to have the KSL News Radio app uh, from our friends at Any Hour Services on your device so you don't miss a single thing. Uh, but the Mark Cuban interview was was just great. We'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, some of the news of the day, in addition to the coronavirus that we're continuing to, to monitor and watch out there. Uh, news out of the White House today. Change uh, is a coming. Uh, remember, Mark Meadows has just taken over as the new chief of staff. He does not have the acting title in front of his uh, name as uh, his predecessor did for almost a year. Uh, but Mark Meadows uh, is a communicator. He is a strategist. And it's going to be very interesting to see his imprint. Now, remember, he had actually to sit on the sidelines for two weeks. Uh, the the day, I think it was the day after he was announced as new chief of staff, uh, he was on self-quarantine, having uh, come in contact with someone uh, who ended up getting the coronavirus. So uh, he was sort of on the sidelines there right out of the gate. Tough spot for uh, former Representative Mark Meadows from North Carolina. Uh, I've had a chance to interact with him quite a bit uh, during my time in Washington. Great guy, great thinker, and he will do a lot in the communication space. So the interesting news that came out today is that White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham is stepping down. She's actually going to return uh, to the First Lady's office as Chief of Staff for the First Lady of the United States. Uh, so she will be moving back there. She was with uh, the First Lady 
as communication director and press secretary before coming um, to the White House as press secretary. Uh, So now she's going back as chief of staff to the first lady. Uh, But here's the interesting thing. Um, As we were talking about how we can uh, focus on uh, her time as the uh, White House press secretary, and that's been a prestigious role over the years. And a lot of people have used that role to catapult themselves into all kinds of other things. You can think of uh, George Stephanopoulos would fall into that category. Uh, a number of folks from Fox News started in that space. Uh, and there's been some real legends in that over the years. Uh, but as we went to look for some highlights from Stephanie Grisham as uh, White House press secretary, the best clip we could find was... That's it. Stephanie Grisham stepped down as White House communication uh, press secretary without ever having held a press briefing. Uh, So very interesting. Uh, Obviously, part of the times that we live in and um, a most unusual administration in terms of how that all plays out. Uh, So she is, uh, again, moving back to the First Lady's office as chief of staff. And it will be interesting to see how Mark Meadows shapes this communication team moving forward. Uh, because communications, uh, obviously, you've got a president who likes to go directly to the people. He does that through his Twitter account. Uh, we've seen that in the uh, press briefing briefings over the last several weeks as it relates to the coronavirus. Uh, he's in the middle of the middle of it and uh, tends to do his his own messaging. So that's going to be a, a real challenge. But I, I wanted to hit for a second um, some of the key things that should be happening in terms of strategic communication. Um, I spend a lot of time working with organizations around the world on their communication strategy. Most organizations under communicate by a factor of 10. Uh, so there, there's usually not enough information going around and particularly during times of challenge or uncertainty, because the reality in an organization is if, if you do not create the culture, if you do not define the message, uh, it will happen. It happens either way. You can either do it by choice or you can let it evolve on its own. In an organization, it tends to happen in the break room and around the water cooler. Uh, When you look at a community or a country, it it happens on social media. Uh, And so knowing what the message is, is is absolutely vital. And especially when you're trying to change behavior. So think about this in terms of what we're trying to do behaviorally as a country. We're trying to change some behaviors uh, for the next month. And how do we communicate that? So you're always, whenever you're trying to be persuasive, you are always dealing with three categories of people. And I found this to be true in any organization, whether that's private business, government, nonprofit, uh, it all tends to be the same. If you are trying to change something, you have three groups of people you're dealing with. Typically, there are about 15% of the people who are going to buy in to what you're, what you're doing no matter how poorly you do it. <laughs> so even if you really screw it up, they're still going to say, hey, I'm on board. I'm in. We need to change. I get it. I'm on. You're also going to have 15% of the people that regardless of how well you communicate, they are going to resist it. <laughs> they are going to dig their heels in. These are the Eeyores of the world of, hey, I'm I'm just not buying. I don't want it. I don't want to work harder. I want to do, don't want to do it different. This is the way we've always done it. All of those excuses. 
So think of that. You've got 15% of the people who are going to buy in, be supportive. you got 15% who are going to dig their heels in and resist. And so what does that leave you with? 70%. 70% of the people you're trying to influence are simply going to be reluctant. They're going to be reluctant, not resistant. Don't confuse those two. Reluctant people are reluctant typically because they don't have enough information or they don't understand the why. Why are we changing this behavior? Why are we doing this differently? Why are we going to start this new initiative? And understanding the why is is vital in the communication strategy. And so making sure that we're, we're hitting the right things in the right way uh, is absolutely vital. So again, you've got 15% they're going to resist, 15% that are going to uh, embrace, and 70% who are just reluctant because you haven't made the case yet. And so being able to communicate in a way that does that is is the real key. And I don't think we have seen that in terms of the uh, the White House press room. We haven't really seen that over the last few years in terms of having a real cohesive, coherent, strategic uh, communication plan. And I think that has uh, hurt the country. I think it's hurt the president in terms of his own objectives. Again, whether you like him or not is not the issue. Whether you agree with him or not is not the issue. Uh, it's just a communication strategy issue. And I would say the same thing if you were breaking down how President Obama tended to communicate things and he had some good people in those roles and he had some weak people in those roles. And so there's, there's always uh, ways to break all of that down. Uh, but I'm just looking at it from where we are right now. We're asking people to change their behavior. If they don't understand the principle behind it, if they don't understand the why, then we're always going to be pushing uphill. Fortunately, here in the state of Utah, I think we've we've started to see the benefits of people getting it, getting on board, and flattening the curve. And we still have a lot of work to do. Nobody can exhale yet. We need to keep on, and we need to keep focused. So we need to keep communicating in a way that's going to help everybody at every level say, okay, this is inconvenient. This is not my first choice. Uh, but for my neighbors, my family, my community, uh, I'm going to do this. And we're going to continue to follow these protocols uh, until we can get to a space where we can say, okay, now now we can shift. Now we can change again. And that's the real test. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, Scott Rasmussen is going to join us from New York and uh, give us some really interesting insight into what we are in. This is not a new era. We're actually just catching up. Find out why next on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. 
Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.